Chapter 13, verses 12 through 30. Of Catina Aria, Commentary in the Four Gospels Collected Out of the Works of the Fathers, Volume 1, Part 2, Gospel of St. John by St. Thomas Aquinas. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Verses 12 through 20. So after he had washed their feet and had taken his garments and was set down again, he said unto them, Know ye what I have done to you? Ye call me Master and Lord, and ye say well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example, that ye should do as I have done to you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. If ye know these things, happy are ye if ye do them. I speak not of you all. I know whom I have chosen. But that the scripture may be fulfilled, he that eateth bread with me hath lifted up his heel against me. Now I tell you before it come, that when it is come to pass, ye may believe that I am he. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that receiveth whomsoever I send receiveth me, and he that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. Augustine, our Lord, mindful of his promise to Peter, that he should know the meaning of his act, thou shalt know hereafter, now begins to teach him. So after he had washed their feet and had taken his garments, and was sat down again, he said unto them, Know ye what I have done to you? Origin. Know ye is either interrogative to show the greatness of the act, or imperative to rouse their minds. Alcuin. Mystically, when at our redemption we are changed by the shedding of his blood, he took again his garments, raising from the grave the third day, and clothed in the same body, now immortal, ascended into heaven, and sitteth on the right hand of the Father, from whence he shall come to judge the world. Chrysostom, he speaks now not to Peter alone, but to all. Ye call me Master and Lord. He accepts their judgment, and to prevent the words being set down merely to favor on their part, adds, And ye say well, for so I am. Augustine, it is enjoined in the Proverbs, Let another man praise thee, and not thine own mouth. For it is dangerous for one to praise himself, who has to beware of pride. But he who is above all things, howsoever he praise himself, extolleth not himself too highly. Nor can God be called arrogant, for that we should know him is no gain to him but to us. Nor can any one know him, unless he who knows shows himself. So that if to avoid arrogance he did not praise himself, he would be denying us wisdom. But why should the truth fear arrogance? To his calling himself master, no one could object, even were he a man only, since professors in different arts call themselves so without presumption. But what free man can bear the title of Lord in a man? Yet when God speaks, height cannot exalt itself, truth cannot lie. It is for us to submit to that height, to obey that truth. Wherefore ye say well that ye call me master and lord, for so I am. But if I were not what ye say, ye would say ill. 
origin. They do not say, well, Lord, to whom shall it be said, depart from me, ye that work iniquity. But the apostles say, well, Lord and Master, for wickedness had not dominion over them, but the word of God. If then I, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. Chrysostom. He shows us the greater, that we may do the less. For he was the Lord, but we, if we do it, do it for our fellow servants. For I have given you an example, that ye should do as I have done to you. Bede. Our Lord first did a thing, then taught it. As it is said, Jesus began both to do and to teach. Augustine. This is, blessed Peter, what thou wast ignorant of. This thou wert told, that thou shouldest know afterwards. Origin. But it is not necessary for one who wishes to do all the commandments of Jesus, literally to perform the act of washing feet. This is merely a matter of custom, and the custom is now generally dropped. Augustine. This act is done literally by many, when they receive one another in hospitality. For it is unquestionably better that it should be done with the hands, and that the Christian disdain not to do what Christ did. For when the body is bent at the feet of a brother, the feeling of humility is made to rise in the heart, or if it be there already is confirmed. But besides this moral meaning, is not a brother able to change a brother from the pollution of sin? Let us confess our faults one to another. Forgive one another's faults. Pray for one another's faults. In this way, we shall wash one another's feet. Origin. Or thus, this spiritual washing of the feet is done primarily by Jesus himself, secondarily by his disciples, in that he said to them, ye ought to wash one another's feet. Jesus washed the feet of his disciples as their master, of his servants as their Lord. But the object of the master is to make his disciples as himself, and our Savior, beyond all other masters and lords, wished his disciples to be their master and lord, not having the spirit of bondage, but the spirit of adoption, whereby they cry, Abba, Father. So then, before they become masters and lords, they need the washing of the feet, being as yet insufficient disciples, and savoring of the spirit of bondage. But when they have attained to the state of master and lord, they then are able to imitate their master, and to wash the disciples' feet by their doctrine. Chrysostom. He continues to urge them to wash one another's feet. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. As if to say, if I do it, much more ought you. Theophylact. This was a necessary admonition to the apostles, some of whom were about to rise higher, others to lower degrees of eminence, that none might exalt over another. He changes the hearts of all. Bede, to know what is good, and not to do it, tendeth not to happiness, but to condemnation. As James saith, to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Wherefore he adds, If ye know these things, happy are ye if you do them. Chrysostom. 
for all know, but all do not do. He then rebukes the traitor, not openly, but covertly. I speak not of you all, Augustine, as if to say, there is one among you who will not be blessed, nor doeth these things. I know whom I have chosen, whom, but those who shall be happy by doing his commandments. Judas, therefore, was not chosen. But if so, why does he say in another place, Have not I chosen you twelve? Because Judas was chosen for that for which he was necessary, but not for the happiness of which he says, Happy are ye if you do them. Origin. Or thus, I speak not of you all, does not refer to happy are ye if ye do them. For of Judas, or any other person, it may be said, happy is he if he do them. The words refer to the sentence above, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. For Judas, being a servant of sin, was not a servant of the divine word, nor an apostle, when the devil had entered into him. Our Lord knew those who were not his, and did not know who were not his, and therefore says, not I know all present, but I know whom I have chosen, i.e., I know my elect, Chrysostom. Then, that he might not sadden them, he adds, but that the scripture must be fulfilled. He that eateth bread with me hath lifted up his heel against me showing that he knew who the traitor was, an intimation that would surely have checked him, if anything would. He does not say, shall betray me, but shall lift up his heel against me, alluding to his deceit and secret plotting. Augustine, shall lift up his heel against me, i.e., shall tread upon me. The traitor Judas is meant. Chrysostom, he that eateth bread with me, i.e., who was fed by me, who partook of my table, so that if injured ever by our servants or inferiors, we need not be offended. Judas had received infinite benefits, and yet thus requited his benefactor. Augustine. They then who were chosen ate the Lord. He ate the bread of the Lord. To injure the Lord, they ate life, he damnation. For he that eateth unworthily eateth damnation to himself. Now I tell you before it come, that when it is come, ye may believe that I am he, i.e., of whom that scripture foretold. Origin. That ye may believe, is not said as if the apostles did not believe already, but is equivalent to saying, Do as ye believe, and persevere in your belief, seeking for no occasion of falling away. For besides the evidences the disciples had already seen, they had now that of the fulfillment of prophecy. Chrysostom. As the disciples were about to go forth and to suffer many things, he consoles them by promising his own assistance and that of others. His own when he says, Happy are ye if you do them, and of others in what follows. Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that receiveth whomsoever I send receiveth me. And he that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. Origin. For he that receiveth him whom Jesus sends receiveth Jesus who is represented by him. And he that receiveth Jesus receiveth the Father. 
Therefore, he that receiveth whom Jesus sends receiveth the Father that sent. The words may have this meaning too. He that receiveth whom I send had attained unto receiving me. He who receiveth me not by means of any apostle, but by my own entrance into his soul, receiveth the Father, so that not only I abide in him, but the Father also. Augustine. The Arians, when they hear this passage, appeal immediately to the gradations in their system, that as far as the Apostle is from the Lord, so far is the Son from the Father. But our Lord hath left no room for doubt on this head, for he saith, I and my Father are one. But how shall we understand those words of the Lord? He that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. If we take them to mean that the Father and the Son are of one nature, it will seem to follow when he says, He that receiveth whomsoever I send receiveth me, that the Son and an Apostle are of one nature. May not be the meaning be, He that receiveth whosoever I send receiveth me, i.e. me as man, but he that receiveth me, i.e. as God, receiveth him that sent me. But it is not this unity of nature which is here put forth, but the authority of the sender, as represented by him who is sent. In Peter hear Christ, the master of the disciple, in the Son, the Father, the begotten of the only begotten. Verses 21 through 30. When Jesus had thus said, he was troubled in spirit, and testified, and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, that one of you shall betray me. Then the disciples looked one on another, doubting of whom he spake. Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. Simon Peter therefore beckoned to him, that he should ask who it should be of whom he spake. He then, lying on Jesus' breast, saith unto him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, He it is to whom I shall give a sop, when I have dipped it. And when he had dipped the sop, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. And after the sop, Satan entered into him. Then said Jesus unto him, That thou doest, do quickly. Now no man at the table knew for what intent he spake this unto him. For some of them thought, because Judas had the bag, that Jesus had said unto him, Buy those things that we have need of against the feast, or that he should give something to the poor. He then, having received the sop, went immediately out, and it was night. Chrysostom Our Lord, after his twofold promise of assistance to the apostles in their future labors, remembers that the traitor is cut off from both and is troubled at the thought. When Jesus had thus said, he was troubled in spirit and terrified, and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, that one of you shall betray me. Augustine, this did not come into his mind then for the first time, but he was now about to make the traitor known, and single him out from the rest, and therefore was troubled in spirit. The traitor, too, was now just about to go forth to execute his purpose. He was troubled at the thought of his passion being so near at hand, at the dangers to which his faithful followers would be brought at the hand of the traitor, 
which were even now impending over him. Our Lord deigned to be troubled also, to show that false brethren cannot be cut off, even in the most urgent necessity, without the troubling of the church. He was troubled not in flesh but in spirit, for on occasion of scandals of this kind the spirit is troubled, not perversely but in love, lest in separating the tares some of the wheat too be plucked up with them. But whether he was troubled by pity for perishing Judas, or by the near approach of his own death, he was troubled not through weakness of mind, but power. He was not troubled because anything compelled him, but he was troubled himself, as was said above. And in that he was troubled, he consoles the weak members of his body, i.e. his church, that they may not think themselves reprobate. Should they be troubled at the approach of death? Origin, his being troubled in spirit was the human part, suffering under the excess of the spiritual. For if every saint lives, acts, and suffers in the spirit, how much more is this true of Jesus, the rewarder of saints? Augustine, away with the reasonings of the Stoics, who deny that perturbation of mind can come upon a wise man, who, as they say, take vanity for truth, so make their healthy state of mind insensible. It is good that the mind of the Christian may be perturbed, not by misery, but by pity. One of you, he saith, i.e., one in respect of number, not of merit, in appearance, not in virtue. Persostum. As he did not mention him by name, all began to fear. Then the disciples looked on one another, doubting of whom he spake, not conscious of any evil in themselves, and yet trusting to Christ's words, more than to their own thoughts. Augustine. They had a devoted love for their master, but yet so that human weakness made them doubt of one another. Origen. They remembered, too, that as men, before they were matured, their minds were liable to change, so as to form wishes the very opposite to what they might have had before. Chrysostom. While all were trembling, and not expecting even Peter, their head, John, as the beloved disciple, lay upon Jesus' breast. He then, lying on Jesus' breast, saith unto him, Lord, who is it? Augustine, this is John, whose gospel this is, as he afterwards declares. It is the custom of the sacred writers, when they come to anything relating to themselves, to speak of themselves, as if they were speaking of another. For if the thing itself is related correctly, what does truth lose by the omission of boasting on the writer's part? Chrysostom, if thou want to know the cause of this familiarity, it is love whom Jesus loved. Others were loved, but he was loved more than any. Origen. I think this has a particular meaning, viz. that John was admitted to a knowledge of the more secret mysteries of the word. Chrysostom, whom Jesus loved. This John says to show his own innocence, and also why it was that Peter beckoned to him, inasmuch as he was not Peter's superior. Simon Peter therefore beckoned to him, that he should ask who it should be of whom he spake. Peter had been just reproved, and therefore, checking the customary vehemence of his love, he did not speak himself now, but made John speak for him. He always appears in Scripture as zealous, 
and an intimate friend of John's. Augustine observed, too, his mode of speaking, which was not by word, but by beckoning, beckoned and spake, i.e. spake by beckoning. If even thoughts speak, as when it is said, they spake amongst themselves, much more may beckonings, which are a kind of outward expression of our thoughts. Origin. Or at first he beckoned, and then, not content with beckoning, spake. Who is it of whom he speaks? He then lying on Jesus' breast, saith unto him, Lord, who is it? Augustine. On Jesus' breast, the same as in Jesus' bosom. Or he lay first in Jesus' bosom, and then ascended higher, and lay upon his breast. As if he had remained lying in his bosom, and not ascended to lie on his breast. Our Lord would not have told him what Peter wanted to know. By his lying at last on Jesus' breast is expressed the greater and more abundant grace, which made him Jesus' special disciple. Bede, that he lay in the bosom and upon the breast, was not only an evidence of present love, but also a sign of the future, viz., of those new and mysterious doctrines which he was afterwards commissioned to reveal to the world. Augustine. For by bosom, what else is signified but secret? Here is the hollow of the breast, the secret chamber of wisdom. Persostum. But not even then did our Lord expose the traitor by name. Jesus answered, He it is to whom I shall give a sop when I have dipped it. Such a mode of declaring him should itself have turned him from his purpose, even if a partaking of the same table did not shame him, a partaking of the same bread might have. And when he had dipped the sop, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. Augustine, not as some careless readers think, that then Judas received singly Christ's body, for our Lord had already distributed the sacraments of his body and blood to all of them while Judas was there, as Luke relates. And after this, he dipped the sop, as John relates, and gave it to the traitor, the dipping of the bread perhaps signifying the deep dye of his sin. For some dipping cannot be washed out, i.e., when things are dipped, in order to receive a permanent dye. If, however, this dipping meant anything good, he was ungrateful for it, and deserved the damnation which followed him and after the sop Satan entered into him. Origin. Observe that at first Satan did not enter into Judas, but only put it into his heart to betray his master. But after the bread he entered into him. Wherefore, let us beware that Satan thrust not any of his flaming darts into our heart. For if he do, he then watches till he gets an entrance there himself. Chrysostom. So long as he was one of the twelve, the devil did not dare to force an entrance into him. But when he was pointed out and expelled, then he easily leapt into him, Augustine, or entered into him, that he might have more full possession of him. For he was in him, when he agreed with the Jews to betray our Lord for a sum of money. According to Luke, then entered Satan into Judas Iscariot, and he went away and communed with the chief priests. In this state he came to the supper. But after the sop the devil entered, not to tempt him, as though he were independent, but to possess him as his own.
origin it was proper that by the ceremony of the bread that good should be taken from him which he thought he had whereof being deprived he was laid open to admit satan's entrance augustine but some will say was his being given up to the devil the effect of his receiving the sop from christ to whom we answer that they may learn here the danger of receiving amiss what is in itself good if he is reproved who does not discern i e who does not distinguish the lord's body from other food how is he condemned who feigning himself a friend comes an enemy to the lord's table then said jesus unto him that thou doest do quickly origin this may have been said either to judas or to satan either to provoke the enemy to the combat or the traitor to do his part in bringing on that dispensation which was to save the world which he wished not to be delayed any longer but to be as soon as possible matured augustine he did not however enjoin the act but foretold it not from desire for the destruction of the perfidious but to hasten on the salvation of the faithful chrysostom that thou doest do quickly is not a command or a recommendation but a reproof meant to show too that he was not going to offer any hindrance to his betrayal now no man at the table knew for what intent he spake this unto him it is not easy to see when the disciples had asked who is he and he had replied he it is to whom i shall give us up how it was that they did not understand him unless it was that he spake too low to be heard and that john lay upon his breast when he asked the question for that very reason i e that the traitor might not be made known for had christ made him known perhaps peter would have killed him so it was then that none at the table knew what our lord meant but why not john because he could not conceive how a disciple could fall into such wickedness he was far from such wickedness himself and therefore did not suspect it of others what they thought he meant we are told in what follows for some of them thought because judas had the bag that jesus had said unto him buy those things that we have need of against the feast or that he should give something to the poor augustine our lord then had bags in which he kept the oblations of the faithful to supply the wants of his own followers or the poor here is the first institution of ecclesiastical property our lord shows that his commandment not to think of the morrow does not mean that the saints should never save money but that they should not neglect the service of god for it or let the fear of want tempt them to injustice chrysostom none of the disciples contributed this money but it is hinted that it was certain women who it is said ministered to him of their means but how it was that he who forbade script and staff and money carried bags for the relief of the poor it was to show thee that even the very poor those who are crucified to this world ought to attend to this duty he did many things in order to instruct us in our duty origin our lord then said to judas that thou doest do quickly and the traitor this once betrayed his master for having received the sop he started immediately on his work 
he then having received the sop went out immediately and indeed he did go out not only from the house in which he was but from jesus altogether it would seem that satan after he had entered into judas could not bear to be in the same place with jesus for there is no agreement between jesus and satan nor is it idly inquired why after he had received the sop it is not added that he ate it why did not judas eat the bread after he received it perhaps because as soon as he received it the devil who had put it into his heart to betray christ fearful that the bread if eaten might drive out what he had put in entered into him so that he went out immediately before he ate it and it may be serviceable to remark that as he who eateth our lord's bread and drinketh his cup unworthily eateth and drinketh to his own damnation so the bread which jesus gave him was eaten by the rest to their salvation but by judas to his damnation inasmuch as after it the devil entered into him chrysostom it follows and it was night to show the impetuosity of judas in persisting in spite of the unseasonableness of the hour origin the time of night corresponded with the night which overspread the soul of judas gregory by the time of day is signified the end of the action judas went out in the night to accomplish his perfidy for which he was never to be pardoned end of chapter 13 verses 12 through 30